right, well, then, um, Susanna, why don't you, why don't you call the roll? Trustee Lujanani. Present. Trustee Banerjee is absent. Trustee Lawrence. We have a quorum. Thank God. Okay. Um, welcome to the June 1st Finance Committee meeting. Happy June, everybody. Um, we have a full and nice agenda today. So let's start with the um, minutes for the May 4th meeting. I will move for approval. Is there a second? That's great. Is there? I, I have no discussion. Do you have any discussion? Well, then all in favor, aye. Aye. Did you vote yes? Yes. Awesome. Okay. Well, I, there can't possibly be any nays, so um, that's approved. Let's move on to tab two. Um, now, I had some questions about several of these, so why don't we take them one at a time? Um, I will move that. Um, I will move tab two a the contract with um, with uh, total re total renal care, a subsidiary of Davida. Second, Joe. Um, for the purposes of discussion, I will second. Yes, for the purposes of discussion. Okay, let's let's have a discussion. Um, sounds like do you want um, do you want to start off, Michelle? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, well, I, I note that this is a um, um, not only a new contract, um, but also a fairly large one. So I thought it would be worthwhile to um, you know, have a discussion. You know, I don't have any specific issues at this point, but I, just, I think that we should have a discussion about you know, what it's for, what they're going to do for us. Um, so what's our, you know, what are we trying, what is our strategy around um, dialysis and stuff like that? And those are sort of the questions I had. Just let's have a discussion about why we're doing this and why this is the right deal and a good deal for us. Yeah, we're uh, inviting uh, John Chapman uh, up to speak on that. He's the Chief Administrator Officer at Highland. Okay. And, and Michelle, were there questions that you had that you wanted to state in advance or that's kind yeah, of Yeah, I, I, I can do that. I, I Actually, I have quite a few. And so, um, okay. John, I was, I'd be interested in the process of, of how the contract was developed. So talk a little bit about that. Um, then I would also, where does this show in the budget when I looked at, at the line items? Mm -hmm. Is this under position contracts? No, it'd be a purchase service. Purchase services. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. that that was a question for clarity. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested in, and these are the concerns that I have. Um, so you could address the concerns if you want. One, it is an automatic increase of three percent each year, and I don't see that calculated in the format of the annual cost. So you. <coughs> So I, those figures somehow don't match for me. So you'll have to show me that. And then the other thing that I was concerned about is a automatic rollover unless you give them a four months notice that you're not interested in rolling over. I, that concerns me as well. Um, so I'd like to have a conversation about those items. Um, there were other things in the contract that did not look to me as safeguards for 
our system. So what, who sat with, with and developed the contract? So those were some of my questions. And, and, and actually, I had one more thing I just wanted to say, um, and this is a question related to this, but also to several other things. But I noticed that we're there's a lot of there's a lot of you know medical services that we're contracting out now. Um, you know, total renal care is not is, is non-physician, uh, but there are a bunch of others that are physician contracts. And so one of the and and this may be a discussion for a later a bigger discussion for a later time. But um, you know, the question is, is it our you know is it our strategy to contract a lot of specialty care out? Is it the nature of you know is it the nature of healthcare and, and the industry, or at least the local market, um, or is this something that we need to think about more deeply? So, um, well, let, this anyway. David, let, let me lead at a high level. Um, in general, um, we would only contract something out if uh, we didn't have the internal expertise or if the vendor that we're dealing with had um, greater expertise than we did, basically could do a better job. Uh, in this particular case, I believe the service has been outsourced for quite a while, and uh, it was really a surprise when the um, prior vendor uh, gave us uh, <clears throat> notice of termination. So as I think you know, we had to scramble very quickly to get a temporary contract in place and uh, then have been negotiating this permanent agreement with Tavita. So, John, would you like to add? Yeah, I, I could add to that. So, David started the history correctly. You guys uh, remember Satellite. I think a few years ago the contract was presented here. They were supposed to provide all inpatient dialysis. We're talking inpatient only. Uh, and several months ago they gave 30 days notice. Now, to, to, to make it more real, that's 19 nurses who are trained specifically in dialysis. Uh, who Satellite had uh, given to Alameda, San Leandro, and Highland to do the work. So getting a 30-day notice and trying to uh, set up a contract with a different vendor who doesn't have 19 nurses available was the bugaboo, right? So there's basically three vendors. There were Satellite, Davida, and Fresenius. Once Satellite pulled out, that left us to scramble with uh, Davida and Fresenius and uh, Kinsey. I don't know if she's here, but she did a great job. Uh, I teamed up with her. Um, we got bids from both Fresenius and Davida. We were about to go with Fresenius, um, actually, because they were probably about 8% cheaper um, and offered the same quality service. Then at the last minute, they pulled out, saying there's no way they could recruit um, uh, 18 new nurses within six months, sorry, which left one vendor, Fresenius. Um, uh, not, for, not Fresenius, I'm sorry, DaVita. Um, DaVita, uh, although a little more pricey, um, did for the most part help us and come through and, and get through uh, a very concerning patient safety and quality issue, at least at two of our three hospitals. There were problems at San Leandro that we can talk about. Um, so that's the history of how we picked DaVita. Um, now, the next question that I uh, heard was, there's a 3% increase per year in the contract. Why didn't we increase the dollar amount by 3%? Um, and the reason we wanted to keep it flat was because a number of our patients who are actually being seen in inpatient dialysis don't need to be inpatients. 
they come into our EDs, and because we don't have an efficient mechanism of putting them to an outpatient dialysis unit for their missed dialysis, they've been brought in as inpatients. We're working with the VITA, and they're teaming with us to uh, set up basically a gatekeeper at the EDs where uh, at least a, a portion of these patients are sent directly from our ED to an accepting outpatient dialysis area. So although the 3% increase is going up, we expect a decrease in total volume going down over the three-year period. So we left it flat. Um, we could add it if you want. John, it, it wasn't, I appreciate, I appreciate that rationale, and I can understand in terms of present, presentation that you kept it flat. So that, that makes sense to me. I, I suppose the concern that I had was the commitment to, and I should ask, is it normal for us to commit to an automatic increase to people, to individuals we contract with? And why I raise that is because the commitment to the other nurses in the organization who don't have that similar commitment of, of uh, increase um, it, is is an uneven thing, and so that that bothered me. Um, so I was trying to figure that piece out. The other issue is: can you can you show me in the contract if you don't have a cop uh, where this organization is guaranteed that they're not going to do the same thing in a thirty day notice as the other group? Great, because that's what I was looking for this morning to make sure it's in there, and. Um, uh, Ira Holly and his group did put in there that there's a 180-day-out clause um, for either side uh, to get out for uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Ira? No cause. No, no cause. So that's six months. Uh, six months. Uh, we should, if we're ever put in this position again, if six months we could build our own, even though it'd probably be uh, more expensive to do. Okay. And for cause, it was 120 days. Uh, for cause, I think the normal language is in there. Ira, do you want to? Um, I, I thought a, it was 30. Uh, normally, for cause, you have about 30 days. Well, to I, I saw 100, and I'm. I'm uh, they I, broke I, it down. There's no cause 180. I'm almost days. certain there's 120 listed in that contract. So I don't know whether that. The one I saw this morning that uh, Ira's group sent over was 180 for no cause. That makes sense. Um, what we were doing is there is a tiered approach, if you will, to termination in various situations, such as without cause, for cause, et cetera. And I believe... So do you have the contract there? I do not. It's in the packets, but I did not bring a hard well, copy I with me. Oh, do you know where so, I think she saw it? There was a draft where I did see 120 in red. It uh, wasn't in... Mine isn't okay. in red. Well, mine was, and then I had called uh, this afternoon. They said they were still negotiating yes, the terms. Yes, they, they have a meeting. And the latest was 180 for no cause. Okay. Th then in the document that you sent to the board, um, Exhibit B, which is the fee schedule, is missing. So there was nothing in there for me to examine on that. You, you know, if you... Yeah, I have the fee schedule. I don't know what was submitted. We normally, in consultation with legal, have been under guidance that the aggregate NTE not to exceed amount is included in the documents submitted to the board, but that the breakdown of the individual fee schedules have been redacted. Okay, so then if you're saying that and, not uh, to... I, hold on, oh, wait, wait. Sorry. Oh, wait, I'm not finished. Uh, the the Ira, not to exceed... Get closest to the microphone when you speak. It's very hard for me to hear you. Oh, sorry, Jim. 
So the not to exceed amount is what? The not to exceed amount in this case is an aggregate of based on what our expected volumes will be. Now the dollar amount. Yeah. 7.8 million. Yes. 7.8 million. The actual dollar value. That's seven. Okay. For three years. Yes. So you're basing that on the fact because you're talking about the 3% increase. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and if the patient volume stays higher, mm -hmm. then... If, this, if the patient volume goes higher, and we would probably have to come back for an amendment during year three for additional dollars, but if our plan really is to be able to keep these people out of the hospital and get them to an outpatient dialysis, where our goal is to actually not reach that uh, seven million target after year three. Okay. Um, and I do have a breakdown. Um, if David's fine for me uh, to send you, which actually gives the procedure by hospital number of visits, dollar amount. Um, I don't mind sharing. Well, it's a good educational tool. Here, I understand the the. Um, position you're in, mm -hmm. and it, I appreciate you telling me the difficulty it's been. And as a result, I will take you and go ahead and offer my vote for this thing. Oh, what I do want to say, mm -hmm. it, and I'm saying this too, is that if you want me to approve these things, then they have to not conflict. So one page says one thing, another page says something else. Items that you send me are missing. I can't do a decision when it's like that. And so, do you feel chastised? Not really, because it comes from. But the then I'm not. Then I'm not <laughs> doing it well enough because I want right. to make certain that. I, I, I mean, know what you want. So this has been going on for a long time okay. in terms of board items not having the right stuff. And so I don't know who that goes to, but that's not fair to me who spends a whole lot of time reading this and then coming to a meeting and dancing around and having to do it just because I feel sorry for the condition we're in. Yeah, I, I don't put those together, but any ones that come for me, I'll make sure that's in there. Well. Okay, it's noted. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and um, I agree with Michelle. Um, we got to have final contracts, you know, and, and all that stuff. Um, got an accountability here. Okay. Noted. Did I answer all your questions, Michelle? <laughs> I will pass her now. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, John. Okay. Thank okay. you, John. Um, well, John, were you, did you have something, were you there to answer questions or was, were there things that you wanted to also oh, I know. tell us about this contract? Uh, I think we covered everything. I can give you an update on on where Davida is with the recruitment of nursing, um, they have. Um, well, actually, okay. Then I have a couple more questions. So it sounds like, um, in the end, we had exactly one choice. I mean, correct. Was, uh, satellite, Davida, and Fresenius, and you know, really, you know, Davida was the only one that said we can do it. Correct. Right? Um, and, and I know that the time was too short, you know, this time, to put together our own program. I mean, is that a realistic thing, to put together our own program? 
Uh, yes, we, we uh, this is David. We actually looked at that option and it was viable. We could have done it. It would have been more expensive, primarily because of the salaries and benefits of uh, nurses and as HS employees is much higher than what uh, the nurses for DeVita get paid. And the equipment, that the capital piece. Yeah. And is there anything, and, and so this is eight, about $8 million, and is there, this is the contract with DeVita. Are there other expenses that we're going to be incurring um, as a result of this that, you know, that we should be, that are basically co, you know, comorbid, if you will, with, or you know, co-located? Nothing that's uh, the, different from uh, with the contract that, that we should that we should also be considering. Nothing that's different from the previous satellite contract. We give them a a, a storeroom to place their equipment. Um, okay. We with our beautiful new tower, we already have dialysis hookups on each floor, and and that's about the, mm -hmm. all that's needed besides the dialysate itself that we get from pharmacy. Right. Okay. And so they are so basically they are there to operate our system, and it's and we're providing the physicians. Like. Yeah, the physicians right. are actually uh, through uh, uh, East Bay Nephrology, yes. Okay, so it's another contract, so it's other contract, especially care that's providing the physicians. Correct. Um, and they're going to be able to work together? Yes, they uh, actually have worked together in multiple other institutions. And they're doing fine over the last several months. Okay. Um, and then who from AHS is supervising? Um, that's through nursing, and, and Kinsey's the point person for all clinical care. Okay. So Kinsey's the um, executive responsible for, for that. Right. Okay. All right. Um, and, John, you're the landlord. Kind of, sure. yes. <laughs> and, and if, okay. Mike, are you the one right. that reviews the contracts? Who reviews, who's, who reviews the legal issues around the contract? The... Ahmad Azizi uh, does the generally most of the legal reviews and certain issues that come up to me, um, typically if they revolve around compliance issues, the start. Okay. D did they that. review this contract? Yes, they did. Okay. And they've signed off and they think there are enough guarantees for the hospital because I, I read it, there were a whole lot of guarantees for the vendor and not, and not as many for the hospital. Yes, they're still actively in negotiation on some of those termination um, languages, and um, we are hopeful tomorrow to have another final conversation to see if we can get greater levels of flexibility, if you will, from them, so that if they give us notice, they'll give us more notice. So why did you, why is this on the agenda if it's still in negotiations? I'm sorry. Uh, just the timing of getting these things approved. I believe the current <clears throat> interim agreement expires um, uh, in early July, July 2nd. And so just to meet the timing, we needed to get it, we needed to get it in front of you. Was there, was there something in particular, in particular issue that you had a concern about, Michelle? Uh, well, it, it's too late now. Um, I wanted to make certain that, that I'm not an attorney, but I read that, and it looked to me that there were a whole lot of power on the vendor side and not as much power on the hospital side. Now, given the fact that they're the only, the only game, in game in town, that changes my thought about why we're in the position we are. But I do hope that our attorneys are looking at this to make certain that 
issues of that mutual indemnity, the way in which we can let them go if they're not performing is different than them cutting out on us. You know, th that's what I didn't see. So one is that we don't want them to leave us, but on the other hand, if they're not performing, there ought to be a way in which we can cut our losses. So th those were the things that I looked at, but I'm going to go ahead and give my vote for this. I'm, you've, heard my, you've heard my concern. Any other questions? Thanks, John. Okay. <clears throat> Jim? All right. Um, I, would, um, I, I would simply, I, you know, we don't need to say more. I would echo that. I just, you know, say um, you're, you're hearing a little bit of frustration, and what you don't want is to be told no at some point. But, I'm, but we need, you know, we need to do this. So um, why don't I call the question? in favor of moving forward with the uh, contract with the uh, aye. Aye. Okay. All right, good. Um, you'll have the final, you'll have the contract finalized by the time this gets to the board? Yes. Okay. All right. Then let's move on. I will, um, why don't we, uh, I'll move, uh, Tab 2B, uh, the contract renewal with Alameda County Sheriff's Office, and this is for two years, correct? Two years. So, um, um, maybe make a correction. Um, yes, this is Ira. Um, there is a correction. Michelle, let's oh. object. Why don't we dispense with the uh, oh. formality of my moving and your seconding? Let's just. Oh, Jim. 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 Uh, we're just about to make a correction. I believe it's been changed to a one-year agreement. Yes, David, I'm it sorry. has. You're going to have to speak up. Um, Trustee Luganani, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Um, this is Ira. Um, there has been a slight change in the t length of term of that agreement. It is going to be a one-year instead of a two-year. I'm a team to the ER. We have a level one now. Okay. That was pretty urgent. Yes. Okay. Um, as I was saying, there was a change, and instead of a two-year proposed term, we are going with a one-year. One-year. Okay. Yes. All right. Is there a reason for that? All right. Very well. Yes. And then, Ira, I'm going to ask you to shout from now on. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm trying not to overwhelm the microphone, but also to speak uh, to you. So, okay. Um, Michelle, any questions? Do you have questions about this? Uh, what was the what was last year's amount? Last year's amount for this was um, three point three five four 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 six million. Three point three five three five four. Right here. Three million three hundred and fifty four thousand four hundred and forty six for a one year term that <laughs> expires yeah. this June. And it it is in fact an increase of the six point two percent. It is indeed. Okay, and it's a one year only, uh, one year only versus, versus the earlier. Yes, it is, Trustee. Okay. Okay, and now, go ahead. Well, they, I appreciate the amendment because the dates were wrong and the other one, and. And I apologize for that. Okay. I, I'm not grouchy today. I came really happy. I'm just frustrated on these two things. Yeah. So the rest of the meeting will go very well. I'll tell you. Now, the difficulty on this contract is that we conceivably could get competing bids on it, but that would mean potentially abandoning the county sheriffs. And we've had a, 
a long-standing relationship with them, and so. Are, are the numbers that uh, the numbers of sheriffs remain the same? That, that in, I I didn't see in the contract at all. It was just a formal agreement, but there weren't any numbers relative to how many this represents. And That's you did show in the contract that yeah. there was a, um, a negotiated increase of the four percent mm -hmm. for for them and I, I respect that I mean we have to we have to follow that but um, is the number of a number of sh sheriffs that are that we will contract with the same number the coverage is the same yes the coverage, yeah, the, is, the the coverage same. is the same the coverage is the same yes. so the same yes. number yes okay yes so the 6.2 percent increase is that reflective of their cost structure going up yes it's a union negotiated cost of living increases Okay. All right. Um, how do we know that the sheriffs are doing a good job? I'm not <laughs> doubting that they're doing a good job, but how do we know that they're doing a good job? Um, they um, they work very closely with our operations teams. Uh, if we were having problems, um, we would be talking about that. I, I have personally not heard of any complaints about the uh, uh, performance of the sheriff's office. Okay. But, I mean, is there some measure of their, I mean, do, do we have measures of, our, of their effectiveness? <laughs> um, yeah, we could do uh, patient satisfaction for the, uh, I, I don't know. I'm just, yeah, John, do you want to comment? Uh, with the sheriff's office, we do get a monthly report on number of calls that they're called to, um, type of codes, um, and, and patient outcomes. Um, so we keep track of that, and if there is a concern, um, we have a, um, uh, I'm trying to call it an informal RCA, is where a leadership from that hospital and the sheriff's office and security gets together um, with the department um, where an incident takes place and say, how can we do things better? Um, okay. so, so that's the monthly report we can get, that we get. Does that answer your question? It does. It does. Um, it's kind of hard to put into metrics. It's kind of outcomes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, um, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, um, I mean, it seems that. I mean, what what I was thinking here is, um, you know, it seems that it comes up in discussions from time to time that various you know groups in the hospital, you know, for whatever reason, don't feel safe. Um, you know, and you read about not necessarily Alameda County, but you know, here and there, you know, these um, you know, issues with security in hospitals, and um, and so I was just thinking, gee, how do you? I don't know, but how do you measure um, the effectiveness of your security team? And part of it is you know, stopping bad things from happening. Mm -hmm. Part of it is you know ensuring a you know a, a safe you know a safe environment and doing it in an increasingly, you know, cost-effective manner. Right. Um, if this helps, um, we actually do have discussions with um, um, our operations councils, each department operations council in the department around safety, uh, and we've implemented some of their requests uh, with the sheriff's mm -hmm. office and our own security. As an example, just uh, two weeks ago, they asked uh, more frequent rounding um, in one of the stairwells of the new tower. 
So um, we do get we do get the feedback of uh, of what our staff and patients would uh, would like in terms of safety. Yeah, I guess I mean there I'm thinking okay fine I mean um, you know you you always want to have more you know more you know more rounding is probably always better, but you know especially if we're our, the cost structure is going up by six point two percent. That's a lot. That's a lot. And so, you know, how do you, you know, how do you get, how do you get the, um, how do you get the same level of safety um, with, uh, with less input, as an example? So, um, these are questions that don't need to be answered here, but I will, I will, I'll raise them as um, maybe this is a place, you know, maybe you want to. Yeah, I'd recommend this as a good a educational seminar the for the board. Because uh, it is real. I mean, this is real important. Um, and you know, I don't want to be. I don't want to be the trustee that says um, no. No. No one. No one wants to skimp on safety, but um, in time. Anyway. I'm always open to setting up an educational presentation on what other. Safety measures do we use besides just rounding? You know, like card readers, we stuck we stuck a number of new card readers uh, for access within the new tower. Um, things of that nature, we could happily present to you. Yeah, I mean, so ponder that. Okay, that'd be, that'd be swell. That'd be good. Great, that would be good. Um, okay, well, let's move on. Michelle, did you have other questions? Uh, no, and as a matter of fact, I don't have any questions on C, D, E, or F. Okay. Well, I do have one or two more questions, so let's, let's take care of B. Um, all in favor, aye. 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 Okay. Um, let's see. Um, I don't have any questions about, really, about um, uh, C, E. Well, I, 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 I have a couple of questions about D, E, and F. Why don't I just ask them all? I'll, I'll, I'll move them all into the agenda. I'll ask my questions, and we'll, we'll um, I think I think for simple questions, then we'll get off. Then we'll get on with it. Uh, so this goes back to the qu first question. Goes back to the question I had had with respect to um, dialysis. Is I, 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 see, I just see a lot of specialty care that is being outsourced, and here we have examples of hematology and pathology. And my recollection is, you know, there've been a number of other specialty um, cares that are, you know, that are contracted out. So, and I know this is a bigger question than right here, so I just want to raise it. But is this the way the healthcare industry works? Is this the way we've decided to play it ourselves and we could insource if we wanted, you know, if we wanted to and we had a conscious, conscious policy of doing that? Um, or is there maybe something else? Okay. So, <clears throat> um, so it varies between um, institutions. Uh, a large organization like Kaiser will have insourced basically all of this. Um, we have had uh, longstanding uh, contractual relationships with these services that have been outsourced. We have a, a new chief medical officer who's going to join us next month. We've already been in discussion with him about these particular services. Uh, he'd obviously like to have um, an opportunity to put his imp imprint on that. 
um, the decisions on whether to bring something in-house or keep it externally through a contract is, is made on a case-by-case -case basis. Okay. And I would and These are just, they're just extensions, Jim, so they're not, they're just extensions. And so what we're doing is trying, it looks to me like we're trying to buy time until the new medical yeah. officer comes on board. So, um, yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I'm just, it, it's just, it strikes me that we outsource a lot of stuff, and I guess what I'm getting at is, is this a conscious policy and strategy? Is it just the way it's been? Is it one of these things where we don't have a choice because that's the way the industry works? And um, uh, it's not. It's not the latter. You know, it's, it's kind just, of it's fundamental just... to the. You know, it's kind of a fundamental to the how do you how do you run your business question, and that's what I'm trying to get at. Uh, it, it's certainly not uh, mandatory that it be this way, and it's something that we're looking at. Okay, so, so it's a, it's a strategic question. So. Yes. Okay. And then, with respect to D, the um, extension with O Care, that's only for three months, and I was wondering why so short. Um, <clears throat> well, we have been um, uh, working cooperatively with uh, O Care. Uh, what we've tried to do is lay out a, uh, a course for the negotiations, which, which would include gathering data, having an independent valuation or an uh, assessment of how we're staffing uh, for these services and then, uh, then what the appropriate compensation for, is that, uh, for that would be. Um, we, we've we've kind of got to a point where we're having some difficulty over getting, gaining agreement on that process. Um, so we thought it appropriate at this point to um, just extend three months, kind of keep the pressure on, and um, until we come back with uh, something that's more definitive from them. Okay. Um, and and I and this has been discussed. Happens, I mean, we, we obviously don't want to be doing three month three month extensions over and over. Um, uh, well, we we can do it. I mean, there's there's uh, our 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 desired course of action is that we would jointly engage an independent consultant. We would provide the consultant with data, um, basically how many physicians we have and what they're doing. Uh, there would be um, an assessment of that, kind of a reasonable range, and then we would get together and uh, negotiate that in the July time frame when the new chief medical officer is here. And that provides ample opportunity to complete the contract negotiations with within the, uh, the time horizon of this extension. Uh, the alternative, if, if we can't agree to that, is then we will, uh, we will uh, engage an independent consultant on our own, have an independent review done, you know, we'll still get data, but uh, really not in, you know, the sort of uh, uh, team approach, shared approach that we would like to. Uh, and then we will probably negotiate this agreement um, uh, in the same time frame. So we think that it's appropriate. Uh, I have discussed this with the new CMO, and uh, he's comfortable mm -hmm. with this approach. Okay. So hopefully um, hopefully we'll get it done the easy way. Okay. All right. Well, so items C, D, E, and F are all on the table. Um, I, I move approval. I move yep. approval of C, D, E, and F. Pardon me? I move approval of C, D, E, and oh. F. I second that. All in favor, aye. 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 Okay. 
All right, let's move on to tab number three. Um, there are no retrospective reviews. Um, I like that stuff. So once we get done with the budget, let's get, start doing those again. And then um, operating reports. Mm. Okay, let's start with the uh, Chief Financial Officer report. The first item we have is um, uh, further discussion on the uh, reliability issue that was mentioned at the last meeting, and Mr. Gravener is going to report on that. Yeah, thanks. Um, so this is a much different report than we had last month uh, of, of all of the areas of um, unable to reconcile our GL with what was in patient accounting system. And I, I will say with the extensive work with Cerner on this and, and working through the issues we have, um, considerably reduced the problems. Uh, there's a few left. There were four main areas that we were addressing. One was just getting a standardized balancing process of, of the work we should be doing, uh, and that's been completed. Cerner's provide that. Vanetta and her team now have a standardized process they can work through every day. Uh, that is the Cerner standard model for that reconciliation. So that's uh, been, training's been completed, and we've been doing that balancing. The second was around the, the scripting errors that happened in both February and March, and was identified on the reports you saw as, I think, four million in February and 23 million yeah. or so in March. Uh, and those two issues con created considerable problems in the reporting system that needed to be addressed. And so we were able to work with Cerner on that and have them create scripting to fix that and work through that issue and have those now all be completed. Uh, the first set of those all be completed. There's three components that need to be done. Uh, so without going into a lot of detail on that, th the first big step is done. So the first 25 million or so has been completed. Uh, there's still about, uh, well, there's, one set of transactions that balance out to zero, but they're still at about an $88.32 that will be adjusted in the GL as we correct the second set of scripting that needs to happen. And then there's a final uh, scripting that needs to occur to just do some GL mapping numbers uh, that are not causing any type of balancing issue today, but if those, if those accounts were worked on, may cause an out-of-balance condition. So we're gonna fix those so they won't, fix a, won't make an out-of-balance condition. Okay. It made and sense in my mind before I said it. I, <laughs> no, I, didn't, uh, I didn't track there, that last part. Okay. That I so, got everything so right else now, I didn't. So right now there's a few issues in transactions, about uh, 100 or so transactions that have missing values in them. Okay. If patient accounting were to do something to those accounts, they would create an out-of-balance condition. Okay. If they don't do anything to those, they won't, but we're going to fix them anyway to prevent future problems. So that's a small set of about 100 transactions that have that on there. Do you have an estimate of what those of what that that dollar amount? It's not eighty-eight. It wasn't the eighty-eight dollars. It? It, it is not. Yeah. You know Tom on that one? I don't. Tom Alardi from Cerner is here, and I'm asking him, Jim. Okay, yeah, but they're not causing any problem right now because they're not okay. in, in action. So those those are two uh, outstanding items of the of the scripting problems that still need to be fixed. Uh, are those, and we expect that to happen over the next couple weeks. Uh, we expect there's a call tomorrow to run through the process and then next week to finalize that the scripting process and then it moves into the uh, testing and validation phase. So still a couple of weeks left, I think, on that. Uh, the third issue was uh, a GL mapping issue, which was where transactions, uh, how their GL numbers were mapped, uh, and those have, have still work to be done on them. Uh, so we have, oh. I'm sorry, I'm just making sure I'm saying this right. So it's $154,000 in total in these mappings that need to be corrected. Uh, and they are uh, three scripts that need to be run to fix that. And those are different than the... the different the, uh, than the previous two, previous yes. Previous two, okay. Yeah. Uh, and so that work has been 
uh, provided or, or ready to go. And then the okay. fourth was a, uh, a move money transactions that were, were not included in our balancing process, so it looked to us to be causing out of balance, but it was part of the education on how to do the balancing corrected that problem. So now we've fixed all of those. So, correct me if I'm wrong on that, Tom, on the, on the geo mapping ones. Oh, yeah, come on up, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim, uh, Tom Alardi from Cerner is here, and he's been working with us on this very closely, and he's going to comment on the geo-mapping issue. Push the button. Yeah. So on the geo-mapping issue, um, there's actually there's two issues, as Dave said. There's the 154,000 that needs to get reconciled. We've provided Alameda um, the information, how to go in and manually um, do entries to correct those GL entries and then we're also working on three scripts that will prevent this um, it's going to prevent the problem from occurring again so really the script is going to fix the problem so that the out of balance condition will not happen in the future and then we've provided information to Alameda to fix the current transactions that add up to the 154,000 uh, okay so so are you feeling a the best way for me to ask is, you know, on a scale of one to ten. And when we started, I thought we were we were at the minus point. But, but so where are you in terms of your comfort zone, your mutual comfort zone of how how we have progressed? Are we? I'll start with this. Um, when we met with you last month to have this discussion, we didn't know the root cause behind the out of balance conditions. These documents support all of the out-of-balance conditions we found and, and identified what caused them and how to fix them. So, so I would say my confidence is much higher. We still have some things to go, so we're not done yet. So I wouldn't say we're at a 10 because we're not done. Okay. But my confidence is very high that we understand what the problems are. We know what the approach will be to fix them. We need to implement those final fixes now. And with the balancing process on a daily basis, we know when the system goes out of balance now before we didn't. Okay. We were just making adjusting entries at the end of the month and saying, well, that's, they've told us that's what's supposed to be, and now we have the details to understand exactly where are things happening differently. And, and when an out-of-bounce is identified, we know it on the day it happens and can identify it, work back with Cerner, and, and get the issue resolved. Okay. So is, is this, was this an issue solely to us, or is this a part of your larger Cerner thing and had a domino in other areas? No, this, this issue is solely with um, Alameda Health System. One was caused by uh, a script we ran previously, and then the GL mapping issue are some setup issues really that occurred um, in 2013 and 2014. Okay. Well, we beat you up pretty, pretty roundly the last time, so thank you so much for your attention to this matter and helping us move. It's very much appreciated. and. And I, we're not there yet, but so keep. No, I yep. believe me. I got. <laughs> this is the first thing I wake up to every day. So, Good. And I appreciate your feet. <laughs> now, I appreciate the the help and support from Alameda, and um, yeah, we've made significant progress. That's here, good to so. know. Well, I, I thank you for your attention to it very much. You're welcome. Yeah, as we reported at the full board meeting, we we had daily conference calls May second through May twenty fifth, and we had twice a day updates of the activities that were happening on the Cerner side to identify these problems and get them fixed. So That's great. A lot of activity. Occurred around this. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Mm. Okay. Um, so I had a I had a question or two too. Um, so it, I'm, I'm getting the impression that um, uh, that that the ground that that things are being done to make sure not only that they, not only that past problems are addressed and fixed, but that this isn't going to happen again. 
Is that is that accurate? That's correct, Jim. From from the conditions that cause these situations that we that we know about in this, we're going back and fixing those things so they don't create the conditions in the future. Okay. And uh, and I have the impression uh, from the last, from when when this was reported a month ago that there was you know that there were certainly software issues, uh, but that there were also some um, issues, but that there's also some need for staff training. And was that an accurate impression? Yes, that was around the, the balancing process. So we educated staff on what the Cerner standardized balancing process was and how mm -hmm. we should go about doing that balancing. Okay, and so has that been taken care of as well? Yes, that's been completed. Okay, okay. Um, and Dave C, is that, that's accurate from your perspective mm. as well? Yes, yes. <clears throat> yes. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Michelle, do you have any other questions for? No, no I don't. Thank you. Board? Okay. Ready for the uh, financial report, Jim? Yeah. So we're yeah. So let's let's do the let's do the um, financial report. Okay. So we're dealing with the month of uh, April. We're now ten months into the year. We are um, actually getting ready for the audit. And so one of the things we do is. Um, review the balance sheet, uh, look for reserves, uh, things like value and accounts receivable. Uh, we look at reimbursement. We looked at um, insurance, malpractice issues. Basically, we want to make sure that the, the books are nice and clean uh, so we have an easy, easy audit that goes as planned. Um, so through 10 months, though, we're, uh, we're reporting about $20 million in total profit, about $2 million a month. And for the month of April, we, we reported about $2.5 million. Um, so, um, you know, we feel like we're kind of getting into a consistent um, pattern. Um, it's too early to say whether we're going to um, achieve the budget for the year. Uh, we have two months to go, but we're about a million and a half uh, behind budget. And I'll talk a little bit more about why that is in a minute. Um, uh, in the meantime, cash collections have been really good. In fact, for the month of May, which we just finished, uh, we collected $32 million which is a record for us. Uh, so that's good. And we're at about 104% of net revenue, which when we get to the audit, the auditors will look at that, and that will give them a lot of confidence that we D have it. David, I I'm sorry. Uh, on uh, page 23 of the, mm -hmm. of the agenda, your cash collection, um, I see a total of 105 in February, which seemed to me to pretty high. And... Um, so yeah. I, I'm based on what you just said, I, there's a dis. Uh, okay. Yeah. What I'm talking about is the month of May, which is not on here. And, uh, and this schedule shows, uh, in the first column, Alameda health system, and then Alameda hospital in San Leandro right. and total on the right. Right. So it's not directly comparable to what I was talking about. But I'll show you the graph that in just a second. Okay, so okay. say again what what you said that the thirty that you were pleased with the total cash. So yeah, and what I'm talking about is um, cash from uh, patient revenue. So we we also get supplemental revenue as well. So so what is this cash that you're showing? Um, this is this is the combined cash for um, for um, just just patient cash for all three hospitals. 
Patient cash for all three hospitals. Correct. And the big jump in February. Um, okay, the big jump in February was the uh, AB 85 funds. Yeah, that's what I thought so. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah right. All right, thank you. Okay, sure. Uh, okay, uh, permanent agreement. I'll talk about that in a minute. We're fine. We're projecting about $110 million at year end. And uh, in terms of the budget process, we did just had a budget review. We're now going through more detail and uh, getting ready for the next budget review, which I think is next week. Um, now, um, Jim, I've got the uh, detail income statement up. The reason is I want to point out on line 27 on this sheet, which is pharmaceuticals, uh, that we are reserving for uh, an issue with the 340B uh, pharmacy program that was detected through an audit. And that's going to total about $5 million. We're, we're accruing a little bit more every month. Uh, but uh, through the year, we've um, accrued about $3 million, And uh, for the month, it was about a million and a half. So that's, that's impacting the amount of uh, income that we are reporting. And it probably will continue through the end of the year. But then... Uh, that will stop at that point, and then at some point in the future, we'll actually pay the cash for that audit. Wow. So, yeah. so, so wait. It's, it's, um, so, just please refresh my memory on on that. Why are we reserving each month? Um, there was a um, an audit of our 340B program. It determined right. that we didn't uh, complete the paperwork correctly. Uh, we mm -hmm. actually did uh, get the the benefit of this, but it was determined that. Um, uh, because we didn't do the paperwork correctly, that the state actually claimed it as well. So two of us claimed the okay. same savings, and it was determined that we were the ones who had to refund the money. What, what do you think okay. was the cause of the... Um, um, hold on, Jim. I'm it's, sorry, Jim. I, I interrupted you. Go ahead, and then I'll ask my question. No, I, I was just going to have sort of an uh, editorial head shake. So yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, it was just um, you know poor management of the program, not keeping up with the rules, not lack of oversight, and that's been corrected now. Mm -hmm. All right, um, let's see. So here's um, here's what I was talking about in terms of um, uh, cash collections. So um, Jim, I don't know if you have these slides, but basically what I'm showing is the. Um, cash collections in total by month and then per day mm -hmm. uh, at the um, uh, at just the, what we call the core, which is everybody but mm -hmm. uh, Alameda and San Leandro. So I'm just pointing out that we did have a very, very good month mm -hmm. of May. So it seems okay. like things are working. Um, now I want to talk a little bit more about the revenue cycle since we're uh, doing so well. But the total cash collected, um, and this is through April comparing this year to last year, has increased from 379 million to 451, or about 19 percent. Uh, it was up actually at Alameda Hospital, up 42 percent. So we've really, we're really coming on and doing well there. Uh, but it's important to understand why that's occurred. And so uh, I want to talk a little bit about about the um, achievements in the areas of patient access, revenue integrity, billing, and then denials and underpayment. So. Um, these are things that have been done, but we've expanded the uh, authorization unit to uh, include Highland Infusion and physical therapy in addition to radiology and surgery. We've put an authorization in process, so where we used to get denials for lack of authorization, now we're getting paid. 
uh, we've imp implemented uh, point of service cash collection where the registrar has actually asked for payment right there at the desk. And so far, they've actually collected over a million dollars, which is amazing. Um, in the area of revenue integrity, we continue to work really hard on this charge capture issue. Um, it's difficult, but we've made a lot of progress. Um, we, um, we do have a, a good uh, charge master in place, and we have implemented uh, Ingenious Med to help our physicians get their charges in place, and that's improving. In the area of billing, we've created specialty billing units. Uh, we believe we've returned about $8 million uh, from improving billing on behavioral health care services. We've uh, created a, a business systems unit. This is managing the IT to make sure it's working correctly. Uh, and we have dedicated staff to those issues. And um, we are really managing our vendors, including, including Cerner. Uh, and then finally, we've, uh, in the area of denials and underpayments, we've created a den denials unit that's been very effective. We think we've returned about $13 million from that mm -hmm. unit by collect, just collecting money that was den initially denied that in the past we never would have pursued. Now we're going after everything. In fact, the last board meeting, uh, you had an um, employee from that unit stand that's up right. and uh -huh. say, you know, and yep. they're very proud, and we followed up with that. And that did, did you? Oh, and of course, uh -huh, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, they were, and she's got a good point. Does she? Okay. Yeah, I mean, that program uh, was put in place at a time when yeah, I we, didn't, we didn't have the manpower, yep. Yep. and we had to have somebody going yep. after it. Yep. And But now we've done that, and yep. now we're current. And Well, she, uh, and the other thing, too, that, that occurred at the board meeting is the the number of doctors who are current in there. Yes. That was remarkably different than it was three years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they were up in the 30% yes. behind yeah. delinquent And ratio. that makes a huge difference. Yes. So. Because we legally can't send out a bill until that's done. Yeah. So th that yeah. was also noticeable yeah. changes. So, yeah. so. it's so very really delightful. It's nice to know that we've, we've, yeah, you know, it was we're really over nice the, to, yeah, we're over the hump. We're yeah. on our way. Okay, but we're not done. So, that, so for next year, what we're planning on is um, streamlining and strengthening management. So we still have a lot of things that are outsourced. We would like to have full-time permanent employees. So we're working on that. Um, this whole issue of care management and care coordination is still a huge opportunity. We have a brand-new vice president of care coordination named Sheila Lizewa. I'm sure you'll get to meet her at some point. She reports to our chief medical officer, and we work together in, um, and we're in general. And very, very good. So she's going to be responsible for this function <laughs> system-wide. This is utilization management, um, social work, things like that. Uh, and she'll be involved in population health management. Um, we're working to improve our eligibility program so that when somebody comes in without insurance, we get them properly classified as quickly as possible because that drives a lot of reimbursement for us, not just billing, but supplemental reimbursement. Um, obviously, getting authorizations done at the right place. We keep talking about authorizations, but it's very important. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, an observation unit. This is one of John's uh, favorite issues, is currently um, we really don't get paid for a lot of observation stays, so, and we need to because we're just not set up to to do the billing. So there's a lot of, a lot of revenue uh, tied up there. Uh, We've never billed for observation? Very, very limited. 
very limited. We're starting to. We oh, have been doing it at the other hospitals, but we actually didn't have the code set up to do it or the contracts at um, Highland. Huh. So we, we need both of those, and okay. that's that's getting in place. Uh, credit balances is when there's an overpayment and we're supposed to give money back, and we don't. So we want to make sure we do that. It's very important for patient satisfaction, and um, we want to make sure we do that. So we have a unit to do that. Uh, which is kind of funny having a unit actually to give money back to the patient, which is good. And then continuing to work on charge capture, um, continuing to work on this cultural change where we want our managers to own their charge masters, and then this whole issue of um, rebuilding soaring financials. Now, now, David, of these things that you've outlined, are, are these elements that we will find in the strategic plan or they're outside of that strategic plan? Um, you will, there's going to be a section of the strategic plan dealing with support services, and this will be in that section. All right. Um, here's the forecast on net negative balance. We're currently at about 130. We're at the point where we are expecting to get some pretty big payments in. In fact, we uh, got a couple of big ones in the last week. Uh, on June 9th, we're expecting a $44 million payment, which is the big dip. And we think we'll end up around 110 to 115 million. So really a nice improvement. Last year at this time, we ended at 137. So another nice improvement. And the auditor is uh, very pleased with the performance so far. Well, when does, is that measure A? Measure A? When does that come in? It's uh, not measure A. It's, um, uh, we get measure A every couple weeks. Oh, okay. But this one is the um, AB85. Uh, cost guarantee reconciliation. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, just a word on the budget. So this is what the board saw last week. Uh, we are now going back and um, looking at all the details and saying, um, you know, well, we kind of rebased the budget, but was anybody doing better than that? And so can we reduce some budgets there? We're also looking at it in relation to Action OI benchmarks. And we're also looking at it in relation to the strategic plan to make sure that we have all of the information, all the uh, initiatives that are coming out of the strategic plan built into the budget so that there's a linkage there. And you'll see that next week. Okay, that concludes the financial report. Uh, Jim, do you have any uh, questions before we move to uh, item 4C, 4D? I do. It's, it's more, well, I have a few questions, but I also had a at least two comments to make. Um, the first is, I think, um, you know, the entire team owes itself a serious pat on the back for the um, all the budgeting work that was done last year. Um, I mean, you know, we're coming in, looks like at this point we're coming in a little bit below budget, but, but um, I think, you know, given where... And given where we were, um, you know, and all the changes and, you know, new CEO um, and just, uh, I think this was one of the first really uh, called downtown budgets we've done for a while. I, I think that um, there's just a, a, a tremendous effort on the, on the entire, you know, by the entire AHS team. So I think everyone should be proud of that. Mm -hmm. um, well, one I'm, thing I'm, I wanted to note with respect to revenue collection yeah. is, I remember, Dave, when you brought your um, revenue collection team in for, for a presentation, 
uh, it struck me there's an incredible enthusiasm there. Um, I think that a lot of, I think you're, you know, every member of your team wakes up in the morning, they just can't wait to get into work and collect some more revenue. And I don't know how you bottle that, but um, there, you, you know that out. There, um, there's some, we're some gonna great, we're going to be in great shape. There, there's some really good people working in this organization. There's a lot of enthusiasm. And yeah, uh, no, I'll, just, ma I'll make sure so, that... I mean, it was just so impressive and so inspiring. Um, I did have a couple of questions, but nothing okay. Nothing real hard. Um, I was looking, looking at financial reporting, and you're talking about um, redirecting physician activity out to you know, so other business units and creating cost centers. And um, I think that's a great thing. And I would just... I would. I was trying to think of questions to ask, but maybe the easiest would be if I can just see an example of the kind of report that they get. Um, and this is more for, this is just for my education. It would just help me, I think, to, to see that and then I to see what, um, what, other, you know, to see what other people are seeing. And I would appreciate that. Michelle, well, if you want that report too, by all means. Um, with respect to the negative net balance forecast, uh, so we're coming in well below the target for um, uh, for the end of the year. And uh, is that? Do you think that that's a a, a uh, just the results of really good luck or and, and good management, or is that a permanent gap? Um, um, in other words, are we going to just give money back, give extra, give extra money back to the to the county, or give? No, it, it, this uh, is uh, it's, this is the result of a lot of hard work. Um, I think if we um, maintain the culture and the discipline that we have now, this will continue to improve. And there's a cushion. Uh, I did get an email from the auditor a week or two ago that said. Hey, if you guys want to reduce the limit any time, just let us know. Uh, and I haven't actually responded to him yet. But <laughs> he, I think he was serious. <laughs> but uh, maybe, maybe not, not just yet. This not year just yet. Is the uh, no, but I think um, you know we want to have a cushion. Uh, we want to have some capital capacity, well. and that's that's what that represents. Well, and I think it's right. real important that we don't lose sight of the fact that we've got a large supplemental increase. Yes. Yes. And so right now that supplemental is holding us. Yes. And so, and that's not to take away from any of the hard work because significant changes have occurred in the organization. Yes. But we cannot in any way get cavalier knowing that there's a big, huge wall coming to us in five right. years that exactly. we have got to prepare for. And right now, we're just holding our own with those supplemental dollars. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I can't believe okay. he asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it to you. Okay. Well, uh, Jim, I, I think we're I, done. I, I, my, I just, well, I, I hope that he um, uh, said that somewhat with tongue-in-cheek, but we'll see. But in any case, so uh, the, the answer is no, we probably need the money. Um, okay, that was all of my comments again I think um, well two more two more reporting months for the year one more you know we're already in June but um, 
Thanks. On behalf of the other so, um, other 4,000 employees, thank you very much. Thank you, and thank you all, and thank you, 4,000 employees. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. So, uh, next up is we have uh, we have Miss Barnes teed up. Ah, Miss Deborah. Deborah. Yes. Hello, Bring Mr. Me Chair. Give me money. <laughs> you want to want me to show you the money, huh? Uh, Thank you for your time and uh, accommodation on the agenda. Dave, may I have your clicker, please? Um, it's always a pleasure to come and talk with the Finance Committee and sometimes the entire Board of Directors about uh, philanthropy. And though you can't see it, Jim, I've turned my chair around because any time a fundraiser gets to talk to a room full of people about philanthropy, uh, she wants to see everybody in the room and engage as many as possible. Uh, it's really a pleasure to be here. Uh, I want to thank all of you in the room who are supportive of the foundation as donors as well as leaders. Um, I hope that you'll agree by the end of my presentation that the foundation is heading in the right direction. And I wanted to give you today an overview of our performance to date on our three-year contract in year one. Before I do so, I want to introduce a member of our leadership at the all-volunteer um, Board of Directors of the Foundation. He's a very important person, and that is Anthony Thompson, who is here as our treasurer. I think it's your third year now, Anthony, in our transformation, serving as treasurer, and I couldn't ask for anyone uh, more uh, capable and engaged and committed to the work we do. So thank you, and thank you for coming today. Um, I want to, in the time that I have, let me just make sure I can use this button. Uh, Jim, have you received a copy of the presentation? Um, Trustee Luganini, have you received a copy of this presentation, the PowerPoint? Yeah, I did. Okay, uh -huh. good. So um, just to start off, uh, you're probably wondering how do we decide what to raise money for because there's lots of needs and, and uh, Certainly, uh, any given year, there are many programs that could use more funding. Well, f frankly, sorry. Frankly, uh, we are joined at the hip with uh, the Alameda Health System leadership, its executives, and their strategic plan. What is here is something that looks very familiar to you as the pillars for success. And we're looking forward to seeing the new strategic plan and the new priorities uh, on, uh, for, the, for the health system that will help design our fun fundraising going forward. So when we designed this contract, I just want to point out that we didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't have a new CEO yet. We were kind of finishing up the old strategic plan. So we're all very excited, and I'm somewhat involved in that planning and looking forward to um, new opportunities down the road. Now, we also had goals at the foundation for 2016, and that was to complete the ATR capital campaign. Uh, I know it's ACT now, but it's kind of old habit. We've been talking about the ATR uh, project and funding need for a couple of years now, and uh, we're excited that it's open. Uh, we also wanted to obtain more grants for innovative uh, AHS programs, and we've been growing our grant capabilities uh, in each of the past several years. We also wanted to grow our capacity for large gifts. What happens after the capital campaign is done this year? 
Well, you can't have a capital campaign each and every year, uh, although it's not uncommon for one to follow the other depending on the needs, and we're looking forward to hearing what those needs might be in the strategic plan. But we want to, uh, above all else, institutionalize our capacity to raise major gifts over each year again and again, and also to launch a plan giving program so that we start to receive estate gifts. I'm pleased to report that we received a $4.4 million estate gift this past year, which is the largest gift we've ever received from a single individual living or past. Um, we did that without uh, promoting uh, bequests, charitable and reign to trusts and annuities, but we are looking forward to launching that. And we just hired a new director of leadership giving and plan giving, uh, hired him away from California Pacific uh, Medical Center in uh, Pacific Heights. He loves looking for a needle in his haystack, and I'm sure David Ma Mason will have his uh, work cut out for him. Um, we uh, also wanted to make sure we were growing our donor base. And the reason for that is that most of major gifts come from people who are already giving to you, whether it's five, ten, a hundred dollars, you know, every time you ask them for funds. And our donor base really needs to grow over time. So in Philanthropy 101, before I tell you how we've done, um, these are kind of truisms that uh, are true for almost any charitable nonprofit, and that is you know, donors support innovation and well-run institutions. They expect to see results of their giving as they define it, as there are donors who give to research who may not expect results for decades. Others want to see an immediate gratification the next month or in six months. Um, they choose causes that mirror their own values. For example, our donors probably share one or more of these values. You know, I believe in health care for all, regardless of ability to, to pay. Or giving to a healthier East Bay is good for our economy or my business, if I'm a business owner. Um, or everyone deserves the same level of care and quality. So if I can get a, a digital mammography uh, in two or three weeks at my John Muir Medical Center, you know, people who are uninsured should be able to get that same level of care. Or they're the, the, what we call the needle in the haystack, the trauma patient who survives and can write a big check, and they're grateful for um, our, our life-saving trauma services. So let's, let's talk about the capital campaign since it's been such a big part of what we've been doing the last few years. We started out with a $15 million goal for our capital campaign, which included uh, $12 million for equipment in the uh, new ATR. And also, we wanted to establish our first ever endowment of $3 million that we could grow with bequests and some of the other gifts I've been talking about over time. So when there's an unfunded need in any given year, you can come to the Foundation Board of Directors and say, gee, we need a new orthopedic operating table, and it's going to cost X, and can you help fund that? We want to have that pool of money available for, for those purposes. Uh, to date, we've raised $17.5 which in my business is called oversubscribing the capital campaign, but we're not done yet. Uh, we have $7.2 in pending requests outstanding. Uh, I expect to hear about $6 million, uh, before the end of June and maybe in, even before our, the end of our fiscal year. It just depends on when it comes in. But we're really, really excited about how well we've done. This is the largest uh, amount that we've raised in any given campaign. I think in the past uh, 26 years, the most raised was $5 million.
What are we uh, raising money for? What's left? Well, um, there's an MRI suite in the future in the new Diagnostic and Interventional Services Center that uh, the uh, executives at AHS asked us to raise money for because the county in their, their um, decision-making said, you know, we're going to replace what's ever in the existing hospital and the MRI's not there, so we'll give you a shell and you raise the money for the equipment and for whatever it takes to make that happen, you know, lining the walls with lead, what have you. And uh, we said, yes, we can raise money for that, and I think uh, shortly we'll hear about that gift. So um, it's great to raise money for acute care purposes. It's something that has been working for decades with uh, community hospitals, major education institutions, all types of causes. But uh, we here in the foundation and, and in my field in, in healthcare philanthropy are aware of the fact that there's really a transformation change going on in, in healthcare systems throughout the U.S. And it's going to look very different in five years. Um, it, it, they're already needing to focus on population health management. You heard Dave talk about that in terms of his financial report and new hires. Care coordination, how do we uh, do a better job of managing the high risk? Asset integration, do we really need you know three different pharmacies or whatever? How can we streamline it? And upstreaming healthcare, as Del Vecchio has talked about, taking the care to the people. Uh, we did that, of course, most remarkably. With, we can take no credit for that uh, through the interagency support for the mobile health van. But I have to tell you, when I saw the, the wraparound on that big truck, I made sure that the foundation's name, website, and phone number is on the back asking folks to support us. But it's a good example of upstreaming. So with these new types of funding and philanthropy support, uh, we need to go beyond acute care. I'm not saying we won't do a, a, a capital campaign if we need to totally transform uh, the uh, San Leandro Hospital for rehab purposes or expand John George Psychiatric. I just, again, don't know what I don't know until I see the plan. But we also want to support the, the innovations that's going on in care. How we do that is really through our private grants for innovative care programs. Now, you've heard a lot about the DISRIP in the past, which is a, a government fund uh, for innovation, and you're hearing again about PRIME. You know, the good work that these incentive programs have offered for our transformation also allow us some benefits in promoting uh, a, a very innovative programs. For example, um, we were able to expand and move the Hayward Wellness Center thanks to DISRIP funding, but now that we have the space and we have classroom, we, we can uh, innovate with a new uh, program that is increasing access to healthy food for families, children. We're involving them in the preparation, and the medical director there is actually writing prescriptions for healthy food as a way to manage their, their uh, quality of, of condition in life. And this was funded by a private grant in uh, two years in the making, 60,000. 60, the best thing about this is that, and Dave will like this, you know, it, the, the cost to implement this program doesn't even show up on your balance sheet because we're paying for, you know, the nutritionists and everyone else out of the, the um, foundation. 
But you also get to bill for it because it's billable visits, so you can make some money there too. So the value of it is even greater than what you see off the bat. Centering pregnancy program, same thing. You know we are a baby-friendly hospital, and uh, we look to innovation wherever we can. This is a three-year March of Dimes grant at 60000 a year for the three years, and it's to support group prenatal visits. A lot of our uh, patients are monolingual. This happens to be a, a, a centering pregnancy program that is taught entirely in Spanish. And uh, we've recognized that a lot of our uh, patients also don't have the support system that perhaps we did when we were expecting families, whether that was mom, auntie, grandma. Um, they might not have an extended uh, family here or even uh, a partner to share in the pregnancy. So with this, this uh, bonding, the women have come together. They support each other. They make their classes. They make their medical visits and uh, hopefully the outcome is healthy mother, help, healthy birth. And these are our real, actual patients. And again, they are billable as uh, visits, so Dave should like that. And then finally, you've heard a lot about the Pipeline Opportunities Program, and I'm not going to dwell a great deal about that unless you have questions. But um, this is the famous, you know, first ever largest grant that we've ever received from a single funding source, $10 million from Atlantic Philanthropies. We received it because we had been doing so well with our HEAL program, with our earlier model neighborhood program. These programs provided youth with uh, after school as well as summer jobs and internships uh, to um, expose them to the healthcare field as possible career. Now our strategic plan says we want community engagement, we want the workforce of tomorrow to look like our patients do today, and we want to help you know, expand the economy. We can think of nothing better than to expose a low-income low kid in East Oakland who's going to public school to the fact that, yeah, you could be a phlebotomist, you could be an x-ray tech, and uh, you could make a very good living. Uh, we've just implemented our first year, and we've been able to hire fully hire staff. Uh, we're getting our office and computer lab set up, classroom renovation, and soon a simulation lab will be located here at the HCP that will support students as well as, um, as some of our healthcare providers. And if we need to raise more money for those high imaging uh, computers, we'll be happy to do that, Dave. Um, finally, um, workforce development. This is a very interesting program that we got a grant for, uh, for qualified bilingual staff, or what we call the QBS program. And this is a, a picture of some of the graduates among our workforce who went through the program. And one said, I'm so honored to be part of this. Thank you for the opportunity. Now, what does this mean? It helped to improve the uh, interpretive skills of our workforce. I mean, for example, imagine if you spoke only Vietnamese uh, and, uh, at some level, but, and you felt that you could help a patient, but then you had to explain to the patient who only speaks Vietnamese why he or she needs a percutaneous transluminal angioplasty, <laughs> what that is entailing, how long it will last, what the recovery is like, how they need to prep. It's quite a different level of skill than, you know, directing the harried father from the parking garage to the new maternity ward. Um, so this was an opportunity to, working with Jeanette and her team, 
uh, in HR to um, assess those who said they were uh, bilingual and for those who didn't quite match the level that we were looking for in terms of that, that ability to interpret. Um, we offered them classes and they were tested and I think everyone was positive that was engaged and I think we impacted about 200 employees at all the sites, Jeanette. So that was also the power of philanthropy. And I thought, you know, oftentimes as trustees, you don't have a chance to see the people that are being impacted here and all these folks are very excited by what we've been able to do. So moving on with our annual fund, this is the, the fund where we have donors giving to us in any given year amounts of all types. Um, we often have unrestricted gifts and that's great to our ears and to Dave's because he can use it wherever the need is greatest. And um, the bad news is that our annual fund growth is small to begin with and um, still about half a million dollars in every, any given year. We need to really work on engaging the community. It's growing, but we hope to amp it up in the future so that we have more unrestricted gifts and that we can appeal to a broader base in our community. Most of the hospitals that have major individual donors have them through grateful patient programs. There are seminars and webinars about how to engage your physicians and talking with their grateful wealthy patients about making a gift to the university hospital or what have you. Our patients are just as grateful, they just can't write a check. So our goal is to appeal to the broader community. And fortunately, you know, I feel as though we are the um, ground zero for everything that's good about health reform. Um, Alameda County delivered um, the voters to Obama. I suspect they will with Mrs. Clinton. And uh, we need to reach those donors who are writing checks at $30,000 a, a pop to sit in someone's Piedmont dining room and talk with uh, the secretary. And we will over time. Uh, one of the ways that we do introduce our mission and raise funds is through our two signature events, our gala goals. You know, it's not just a party. We raise funds. We showcase our caregivers. We engage donors. And most of all, we bring our AHS family together. Uh, we hope to raise at least a quarter of a million dollars net after expenses every year. And we've done that. Uh, yeah, wow. 2016 is um, no exception. And we had the highest attendance ever. So our net proceeds are 287000 after expenses for one night. I can assure you my staff wouldn't agree with that one night. But, uh, but the highest attendance ever at uh, pushing 500. And when I came here, we were raising maybe 50,000 and uh, 300 guests. So we're heading in the right direction. Our other signature event, of course, is the Golf Classic now in its 20th year. Um, everyone enjoys a day on the green, and a lot of the organizations with whom we do business and in the community uh, like to support it. And we always make sure that the weather's warm, comfortable, and the course is beautiful. This is uh, our new CEO, I think, three weeks into the, uh, the job as uh, hosting a foursome and doing his best. I can't say what his score was. <laughs> Uh, you know, um, 
tailored appeals, direct mail, I always say that one person's junk mail and spam is another person's interest in learning more about a subject. And so we do direct mail, as uh, many charities do, throughout the year, spring and fall. We tailor our stories based on mailing lists. We've talked to physician alumni uh, and built up a very reliable list there. And uh, we feature certain programs. Um, for example, the Highland Healthcare Advocates was done in, in one recent appeal. Uh, and those are also very helpful. Um, since uh, 2014, we've been engaging employees in giving. And uh, we're really promoting and instilling a culture of philanthropy here. Our physicians have been pretty good about supporting us at the gala at higher and higher, higher levels, which is very unique, I might say. I think it's unique to public health because they spend their lives here and their careers. Uh, but we hadn't had a chance to reach out to employees. Um, and since 2014, we are adding new employees every year. Uh, so that's helping to create a culture of philanthropy. The pizza you're enjoying right here, the flatbread uh, pizza, I bid on and won uh, the opportunity to name the pizza for a year because I know it's very popular in the cafeteria. And so now I'm going to call it the Fund-A-Need, K-N-E-A-D pizza and feature a different program every year that folks can uh, help us support. And Very it's a lot good. of fun. You know, as you can see, we always do a kickoff with great fun and games and drawings. We have a new foundation associate board. This is our future. We're engaging emerging community leaders. By emerging, I mean in their 20s and no uh, older than 35 who are looking to engage in the community. It's good for their business. It's good for their growth. We've inaugurated this first associate board in September 2015 with 11 founding members. They had their first fundraising event at the Oakland Hub, which is, if you know it, is very hip and cool and, you know, where the millennials want to hang out. It was successful. And we've, we've been attracting um, new contacts for the foundation in high tech, like Pandora, as well as well-known corporations like McKesson. So wrapping up, this is where we are this year. And uh, I hope that you can see this. But if not, let me just say that when we set out our three-year contract, again, we didn't know what we didn't know, but we knew we had to, to provide some numbers that seemed to make sense. And what you're looking at here is an actual to what was budgeted uh, for 2015 and 2016. It's a little different from our fiscal year, which starts July 1. Um, this is... Uh, um, April through April, apples and apples. And as you can see, um, let me just say that our capital gifts at 4.5 uh, ending through April, if we receive a $6 million gift, which we've been working on for two years, which is why some of this budgeting is a, a more of an art form than uh, a true science, we'll be well over our projected total for the first first year of $12 million. Um, it, if we are notified that we're getting the gift, but not in a way where we can book it, then we'll have to put it over to the next year. Mm -hmm. 
Same is true with grants. Um, through April, we had 368,000 through a little bit over half a million, but since then we've received a um, grant approval for $900,000 grant uh, payable over three years. We're not sure if they're gonna dole it out 300,000 every year or if we can book it all at once when the, the amount is received. So a lot of this is uh, timing but we're heading in the right direction. And uh, the only thing I do wanna point out is the earned interest restricted on the budget, there's a typo, there's an extra zero. I wish we had enough money in our endowment <laughs> to be able to throw off that kind of interest, but it was just overlooked, so that's an adjustment. In the unrestricted area, uh, our donations are trending on point. Um, this does not include any of the funds we just received from our annual gala. Uh, so that'll look uh, very much on point by the end of, uh, of our fiscal year. Plan gifts um, does not, it, it shows zero here because we had to put the 4.4 somewhere and that went into the capital gifts by um, uh, resolution of our board of directors. Um, and the expenses you could see so far trending below the budget, about half a million dollars, give or take, and that's really good as far as we're concerned. Um, finally, it's often um, a point of uh, review by donors as well as others, the, the folks with the green eye shades about what does it cost to raise a dollar? And the industry standard is if you're functioning well and you're, um, you're a, uh, not a startup charity, which we were in the past four years, uh, and I can talk about that more if you have questions, but it should, it should be about 25% to the 75% in terms of your fundraising expenses. So we're below that, and I'm happy about that. So with that, um, the only other point of business I have to do is, you know, I brought in a lot of paper here tonight, maybe more than I need. And uh, if you'll indulge me, uh, Madam President, I'd like to give you a check for 1.5 million from the foundation as um, a payment towards our overall capital campaign. Wonderful, I will gladly accept it on behalf of AHS. Thank you. It has both Anthony and my signature, so you can cash it. Ah, <laughs> I, is, is my name on it or is the hospital <laughs> Yeah, thank you. And uh, just before I take questions, I want to thank all the folks in the back row uh, in finance for all your help and uh, traditionally helping us balance our books and get our statements to our board and most especially for helping us process this gift. Um, I have a question. Is sure. the first column um, supposed to be 15 or 6? I'm sorry, the actual Yes, I'm sorry. That's a typo. Okay. So. All right. That's what no, I... No, 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 no. It's not. It's not. So, it, so the actual is what we've taken in through April 30th, 2016. I see. The budget is what we thought we might take in I see. Okay. through the same period. Okay. So it's apples and apples. Okay. Thank you. Any questions? And, well, uh, Deborah, this is Jim. I, I had sure. one. I had one question for you. Um, somewhere in the middle of your presentation, uh, you know, you talked about like, you know, that some hospital systems will, um, you know, seek out grateful patients for you know large donations, and that maybe in our case, that's not um, you know that that may not be 
so realistic. But um, one one thing that struck me was um, I know um, I, I know with my university that participation is very important. So um, you know, so I, I always recall seeing these letters that would say, you know, even if all you can give is a dollar, that counts, and that's really important. Uh, for our larger donors to see, because they look at participation, and and that and that does have a big impact on them. And so I was wondering, you know, maybe we shouldn't expect very large checks from grateful patients, but maybe we could hope for participation, even if it's more modest. Um, and and I I just don't know. I'm not an expert in philanthropy, but I, so I was just wondering if that would be helpful for us. Thank you, um, Trustee Luganini. It did cross my mind when I heard that we had collected $100 million from our patients that maybe I should have a, a piggy bank next to wherever they're writing the checks mm -hmm. and say, would you like to round up? But, um, well, but I, in I all honesty... It's not our patients so much, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but it's their insurance company. Yeah, well, anyway. well sure. We could send a piggy bank to the insurance company. Yes, there you go. Yeah, um, good luck with that, huh? Collecting, but uh, no. Yeah. There, actually, we have a great grant uh, that we're now doing an e-consult trial with from Blue Cross Community Foundation, and they are helping us learn how to do e-consults for improving our specialty um, consults for our patients. So um, Dave is really on that and working it with our clinicians. So they are helping in other ways. But um, I will tell you that we're really excited about the fact that for the first time we collected all the patient data of patients who've been through the ER for several years, and we well screened them. We came up with super, uh, what we call super zip codes, where there's likely to be capacity there. And that's one of the things that my new um, Dave Madsen will be working on and talking with our patients. So um, who knows where that may lead. Um, Deborah, I want to thank you for coming, but more importantly, I, I apologize that there weren't more of the board here to hear, to hear the wonderful work that you've done. Um, thank you. You know, uh, through my career, I've worked with a number of different um, foundations mm -hmm. and nonprofit groups um, supporting public education, specifically, but others as well. And I want to be able to say that. I've not worked with anyone that has been as impressive as, as the Hospital Foundation. Just really quite remarkable of the things that you've done and the amount of money. And it appears very seamless. So you must have a staff that's just amazing. And their leadership is quite phenomenal as well. Thank so thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. Our board is very dedicated. They're all volunteers. And I've learned a great deal from them. Yes. So thank oh, you. Please extend them our sincere appreciation to all. Thank you. Jim, okay. should we move on? I don't have further questions or comments, Michelle. I think that was eloquently said. Um, I wonder if we could impose on Deborah to come to the full board at some point to um, bring everyone up to speed. Oh, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Okay. Well, Mr. Gravender, top that. <laughs> uh, I'm spending some of the money Deborah talked about. Uh, in my right, report. Get out. <laughs> so, so I have just uh, 
Uh, four items to talk about today that I included in my report. Uh, not a long report at all. Our, our IT long-range plan, we did select Lidos as our consultant with that. Uh, oh. Last month I reported we were finalizing our selection process, and so we've selected them. They will begin that process on June 20th. And uh, what did they have over the other? Uh, as we reviewed both, our, our two finalists were both very good. Uh, in the actual presentations that were done, we think Lidos did a better job, more complete, uh, more accurate in, in their presentation, and just... I'll, I will say more crisp uh, in their process. Both both of the finalists were were put together excellent proposals, um, very different in cost. Lidos is the lower cost of the two that we selected, hmm. um, significantly less, and and we think uh, with uh, equal and or better uh, presentation of their processes. And so I I did plan to bring next month back that full project plan of what they'll be working on, what they'll be delivering, to share that with the with the committee. Uh, so we'll do that. And and how much is that? What's their bill going to look like? Uh, Just the, out of curiosity. Yeah, the contract I think is for two hundred ninety-five thousand uh, dollars, and we've estimated that uh, for the total that to be around four hundred thousand, including travel and expenses. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Then then moving okay. on. To, any, any other questions on the long-range plan? Not at the moment. Um, one thing um, that just, as we were reviewing, I'll just, this is an, more of an editorial comment. As we were, we were reviewing the, um, you know, the, you know, the budget status at the board last week, um, is um, what was kind of looking at the capital budget. One thing that was conspicuously absent was the, you know, what was the cost of the EHR and stuff like that, and so. I know that it's a, you know, right? I think we all know it's going to be a big number, and I think that there's probably still a pretty big range around it, but I would encourage you when we get to the um, uh, final budget to find a way to at least alert the board to a range of, of costs, because um, I do think it's going to be large and in some ways dwarf the rest of the capital budget. So. Um, I just think we need to have that on the on the board's radar sooner rather than later. Yeah, in included in the contract with the vendor is to, to look at what would a total cost of ownership be for a replacement project so that we can then plan for that in our capital planning process. Right. Um, so I'm just what I, what I would encourage though is when when you when we get to the budget is even if there's a range, even if it's preliminary, um, I just think it's going to be helpful to in some way convey the, the, the scale of that. Okay. Yeah, even if it's yeah, we have those. Well, well, uh, and I'll let you work with Dave on, on that, but it's just that would be my request. Uh, otherwise, I just think you're going to um, we run the risk of surprising people in a, in a way that may not be you don't want to surprise people. Yeah, well, we have worked it down to a smaller range of numbers than what I had originally uh, shared with you previously. Okay. So we, we, we know a pretty good um, area of where the number will be. Yeah, so secondly on my report is uh, Eddie, Go Live's Phase 2. So last month we reported that uh, we went live at Highland, and so just uh, Tuesday we went live at San Leandro. So they don't have an electronic record in the ED, so their report just prints. So when a patient presents the ED uh, and gets registered in the system, that goes off to Eddie, and then a report prints back off on the printer if they have detailed data of that patient in the system. 
So that's gone live. They've had <clears throat> they've had hits in the database, so they're getting information about patients at San Leandro now as well. Oh. So we're excited about that. Uh, we're, we're evaluating whether we can take this to the John George Psych Emergency Services and include them in the EDI process. So one, the participating hospitals would see that information as well that the patient has, has presented before at John George. And as well, John George would know if this patient has been seen at other EDs yeah. throughout the area. So we're evaluating now, reviewing with legal on whether we can include that or not, uh, that site data. So we're not, that's yeah. not been determined yet whether we can or can't. One of the um, psych records carry a special level of protection with respect to privacy. Oh. So there is a, you know, part of, I think, you know, the plan is to look and see how this works with the sharing of the medical information so that we're better informed as to what the potential problems or issues that may arise with regard to um, once we were to include psychiatric records, you know, right. because it is a, a different sort of animal. I think one of the other pieces that uh, comes out of this is that, you know, we've already sort of worked through because with this there is the very practical real-time benefit of being able to share this information. But right. the other piece of it is sort of the longer term, you know, for lack of better research that you're able to develop out of it. You understand, you know, what the trends are. You develop data which, you know, perhaps informs other things. And so there's a fine balance between, um, you know, inform, uh, you know, people giving their consent to use that information for one as opposed to the other. Uh, and I think it's a, in particular, you know, something of a special issue for us as a safety net hospital because it's sort of, you know, the idea that you don't want people to feel that, that they're sort of obligated to give consent to something like this because of the fact that, you know, they, they basically have no choice. They should have the same level of, you know, uh, decision-making about the consent for that as far as it goes. So that's another piece that we've been working for. And, and I think, again, it becomes particularly acute when you're talking about the psychiatric records because it is different. But, you know, hopefully is, it'll continue well, and then uh, we'll pull that in as well, too, and then uh, John George would be a fully participating member. So, so Michael, so do, does a patient have to give um, permission to share their information with, with another doctor in the system? Uh, so the consent is... Well, yes and no. So, generally speaking, HIPAA doesn't require that uh, doesn't you know, require any separate disclosure if medical information is being used for purposes of treatment. Um, but where we get into it with this you know, particular system is that the information is going out across a broad network, and so they need to understand that this information you know may go to other hospitals. Um, and it may not directly be related to their treatment, you know, at that particular time, but it's part of that system. So that's why we're careful about getting their consent for it. Uh, because again, there is one element of this is that it may not be used for treatment. It may be used to understand patterns, you know, things that aren't specifically related to treating a particular condition at I that see. time. I see. I see. Thank you. All right. And, uh, Dave, I, I have sure. I one question with respect to Edie. So I, I think we've heard, you know, and I know it's very early on, but, you know, we've heard, you know, that it goes live, we get some hits, and that's, that's great, you know, it's working. Um, do we have any examples um, of, you know, where we got a hit and the way that the patient was taken care of and maybe, you know, helped to... That you know help help to get care in a you know in a more appropriate way, more appropriate kind of care, stuff like that. 
where there, where there have been success stories both for the system and for the patient um, that we could you know, that, that, that we could kind of uh, use to humanize it but also to you know, to motivate to motivate it sure I'll, I'll look into that I do I don't have those today um, the, the okay. system also will become more valuable as time goes on because more data will get added uh, we're, right. we're, we're working on adding the component where the social services can add their information onto the case to say what what happened with the patient so it adds mm -hmm. uh, the example from the state of Washington was that a patient went to an ED and was very violent in the ED and destroyed equipment and so that, as that a patient <clears throat> presented at the next ED <clears throat> they could prepare the room more appropriately for that before the patient got there to remove all the expensive equipment so it couldn't be destroyed uh, and just one way that they uh, they shared that type of social information about the patient I'll, I'll see yeah. where we're going with that and if we found any it could of those. Be stuff like that or it could be you know the patient here's someone who's come to the ER all the time and you know we somehow um, help them to you know get their care to community clinic because that's a more right. appropriate way and more comfortable way right for the patients to but anyway whatever I will, but, yeah, I will look, into look. That. Be, I'd just be curious hmm. um, okay. I think that'd be valuable um, Valuable information to have. Okay. <clears throat> the next report is on uh, ordering in NextGen. Uh, so this is the first time that we've that we've been able to, from the Highland-based clinics uh, that we've just brought up uh, about a year ago, allow them to put their radi radiology orders into the NextGen system and have that transfer over to the radiology system, and have the results come back directly to that provider into that patient's account. Yeah. Uh, previously, that was all a paper process. So the paper order went down. Uh, testing was done and a paper report went back and so as you can imagine in paper processes things can get lost misplaced misdirected and and not get back to the provider in a timely manner to, to update the provider about the patient care so that's gone live now uh, it's live in the in the same day clinic and at uh, k6 um, adult medicine uh, and we're working now on getting the laboratory services to work the same way so we're expecting to do complete testing within this month and and likely take laboratory live later this month or beginning of july and how does it work with pharmacy? Is that still a way or? Medication orders are, are elect electronically prescribed through NextGen, so it does go to our pharmacy electronically. Okay. But only in the, in, only in the clinics that have NextGen installed. Okay. So that, that was a big step for us. This was um, something we wanted to do a year ago when we brought K6 and same-day surgery live. It was planned to happen last summer. Uh, we, we encountered significant difficulties in the whole process of how to get it done, and and been, have been able to overcome those with a lot of Cerner help with us on how do we identify how those transactions get across and then get back into NextGen. Uh, so we, just to share the, a bit of making of the sausage here, it was uh, we had some other clients of Cerner's that were doing this same type of thing, and when we contacted them, uh, they were doing it very differently and not at all how we were intending to do it with orders pending activation, which, which puts it at their, essentially in a hold state that allows the, the lab then, or the radiology to activate the order once the patient arrives. So the order goes immediately when, it's, when the physician writes it and just sets in a pending state. So, the, so the patient, if the patient walks down immediately and gets the testing done, it happens right then. If they don't go down for a week, a week later that order is still there to be activated for that patient. So it just sits out there and waits for them. Uh, and that's the, why it's called the orders pending activation. It's waiting to be activated. So very great work um, by the team to get this done and up and running. As you can see there, during the first two days, we already resulted 45 orders back, so the physicians had that result in the first two days of, of ordering the test. That's great. Uh, and, and proceeded with that patient's care appropriately then. So good, good work in that area. 
wow, all this electronic stuff works. Yeah, yeah. But that's, you know, we're bringing together NextGen and Sorian, two uh, systems from two different vendors uh, to, to make that information work and pass back and forth together. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good one. So the last report is just on uh, what Deborah talked about with our uh, Blue Shield grant on implementing eConsult. Blue Shield has helped us with the change management process of how do we get uh, change the, the process that providers do to use this care. Uh, and so we brought up two of the, uh, as part of our county contract for HPAC, uh, they've asked us to implement three additional specialists. We've already had uh, neurology and rheumatology go live in the month of May. And then gastroenterology, hepatology is one specialty that's go went live today. Uh, and so that brings us up with the six that the county asked us to do. Uh, phase three of this is to bring on the ability for CHCN to do an e-consult request. CHCN. CHCN is a community health clinic network. Okay. So that's uh, the two that are doing it are uh, La Clinica and uh, somebody in East County. Oh. I do not remember. Wow. Um, so those two clinics have been using a product called Rubicon MD to do e-consults with a, essentially an anonymous provider. So the way that's set up is the specialist or the, the primary care physician puts a request out to the Rubicon network. It gets routed to um, whoever's taking e-consults that day and who has the highest ratings. Uh, think about a Yelp rating for a restaurant or something. They get a star rating and those with the highest ratings get first chance to respond to an e-consult request. Uh, it, the, the information that goes is, is um, de-identified, so you're just getting the information about the patient, not the patient name or, or any details about who the patient is, but just the details about the condition you're asking about. And then the physician anonymously responds to the request uh, and says, here's what you should do next or here's my recommendation. So it's a very anonymous activity and very uh, not specific. It's specific to the patient data, but not the patient doesn't go with it and, and can be transferred. So if the patient does need to be seen, then it's the, the, the primary care physician's on his own to try to get that onto the next person. Uh, what we found, though, is the Rubicon platform works very well for getting that messages across disparate systems. Uh, so it goes out to the cloud, essentially, and, and then the specialist goes out to the cloud and picks up the request and answers it that way. So in working with them, we can have that be specific to us. So the, the CHCN physician can push that up to the cloud. It can get directed to our specialists. One of the six specialists that we've had done, six specialties we're working with, who then has the first opportunity to respond to that request. If they do that before a, a certain expiration period occurs, uh, if they if they do it before then, then the the primary care physician knows who the specialist was, and, and can then refer that patient to that specialist if they want to in the future. So we're making that connection between the primary care and the specialist that doesn't typically happen in the Rubicon network. Uh, if they don't answer it within that specific time period, then the message will go out to the rest of the Rubicon network and be answered by someone so the PCP is just not waiting for a response when we're not being responsive. So it's a little bit of incentive for us to get our responses done faster, uh, to make that connection with the primary care physicians. Uh, CHCN is very excited about this. They want more access to our specialist. The C-Consults is something they really want to be able to do with us uh, to increase the number of referrals that do, the appropriate referrals that will come to us afterwards. So they really like that connection of it. Uh, the Rubicon piece is nice, but when it goes out to the network, it's still an anonymous response, and so the primary care doesn't really have anywhere to, to send that patient once they get their response, if, it, if the next step is see a specialist. So that's, that's uh, scheduled to occur this month. Um, we're still in some final testing of that to get it, get it live. We expect around mid-June to bring that live with CHSAM physicians having the ability to get to our specialists.
You put this under the major access category in the pillars? Definitely, definitely, definitely an access okay. pillar, yes. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, yes, it's providing access to those patients today in a way that wasn't possible before right. uh, to the CHCN, all the patients in the CHCN network uh, that are getting there. Only two clinics are using it today at CHCN out of the eight, uh, eight entities. By little. That's true. And that concludes my report. Okay, Mr. Chair. Okay. Sorry. Back to you, Jim. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay. Well, I see that there's um, uh, nothing to educate us on in tab five. I don't know if that, um, well, I, 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 I could say various humorous things were being recorded, so I won't say anything humorous. Um, so on to committee planning. Um, I had one topic. Uh, David, was there anything you wanted to, Dave C., was there anything you wanted to say? Uh, just that I'm working on the planning calendar. I'm sorry? J just that I'm working on the planning calendar. Okay. All right. And then one, the only thing I had um, was, well, actually, Michelle, anything from you? No. No, thank you. Okay. The, the, the one thing I would appreciate is as we go into the um, new budget is it would, be, I th it would be nice if we could perhaps in the next finance committee just talk about um, how we're going to be tracking progress against the budget. And um, Dave, I'd, I think I'd send you a, couple, uh, a few you know, ideas. And so um, just you know, good, good time with the new fiscal year to... Uh, think about um, ways to improve or adjust the way that things are getting reported. So I'll leave it at that. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit at the next meeting. Okay. All right. Um, Susanna, are there any requests for public comment? No. Was that, was that no? None. Yet? Sorry, uh, we I have none today. I can hear you, but I, I'm going to take that as no. <clears throat> All right. Um, uh, Trustee Lawrence, any further comments from you? No. Thank none. you for asking. I take that as no. All right. Then with that, I will adjourn the meeting 30 minutes early. Thank you.